lecture six part three of the endowments of man by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture six self and conscience as unveiled in the book of job part three we have seen the fearful process by which a man is stripped of all things but himself and the desolations by which the hidden remains of self-love and pride are driven from their concealments we have seen the amazement and the terror the contrition and the distress of a soul searched through with lamps until she finds out that she is nothing apart from god we have seen how amidst the obscurations of the soul the secret light of god's law in the conscience fulfils its fourfold office whilst humiliation and sorrow are opening out the hidden things of that soul firstly it reveals the sanctity of god secondly it makes known to him his own want of sanctity thirdly it exposes to him how helpless he is by nature to rise above himself fourthly it shows him what a great need he has of god's light and grace as well to know himself as to remove his iniquity and to bring him into union with god of the prophetic character of job's sufferings as he figures forth the person of christ his innocence among the most malignant accusations and the terrible course of his passion and crucifixion we have the most vivid representation in the sixteenth chapter of the record of his sufferings and sayings my enemy hath beheld me with terrible eyes they have opened their mouths upon me and reproaching me they have struck me on the cheek they are filled with my pains god hath shut me up with the unjust man and hath delivered me into the hands of the wicked i that was formerly so wealthy am all on a sudden broken to pieces he hath taken me by the neck he hath broken me and hath set me up to be his mark he hath compassed me about with lances he hath wounded my loins he hath not spared and hath poured out my bowels on the earth he hath torn me with wound upon wound he hath rushed in upon me like a giant i had sewed sackcloth upon my skin and have covered my flesh with ashes my face is swollen with weeping and my eyelids are dim these things have i suffered without the iniquity of my hand when i offered pure prayers to god o earth cover not thou my blood neither let my cry find a hiding-place in thee for behold my witness is in heaven and he that knoweth my conscience is on high my friends are full of words my eye poureth out tears to god and oh that a man might be judged with god as the son of man is judged with his companion for behold short years pass away and i am walking in a path by which i shall not return 
the sufferings of all just men obtain their purifying value from the sufferings of christ whether they anticipate and prophesy the sufferings of christ or whether they follow and fill up the measure of those sufferings for the redeeming head of humanity suffers with the members and the members suffer with the head all that will live godly in christ says st paul shall suffer persecution and this is equally true of the prophets of christ and the servants of christ so much so and so mingled are the sufferings of the prophets of christ with the sufferings of christ that sometimes they plainly describe the sufferings of christ and sometimes they more plainly describe their personal sufferings in every faithful soul the one is blended with the other against the ever-recurring accusations of his adversaries job continued to assert his justice and never for a moment wavers he is just according to their measure of justice he is not wicked on their argument and proof of wickedness not wicked because he is suffering such an argument were it admitted would destroy the whole proof of human redemption and this false principle is therefore destroyed beforehand it was essential that the mind of men should be imbued with the truth that innocence may be present under great and overwhelming sufferings but whilst he indicates this general truth the patriarch of suffering puts the point of difference between the human and the divine side of his own case in this pithy sentence o oh, that a man might be judged before god as the son of man is judged with his companion that is happy would it be for the man if the eye of god looked no farther for his guilt than the eye of his fellow-man can see but before the eternal judge he has no defence to make because he has not the knowledge of himself that god has of him his life has been pure as men estimate purity and he solemnly declares i made a covenant with my eyes that i would not think upon a virgin for what part should god from above have in me and what inheritance the almighty from on high and yet before god who sees the inner parts of man and judges him by the purest laws of humility charity and sanctity according to the bent of his motives in the light of his conscience he cannot venture to assert his innocence however unconscious he may be of present guilt so his thoughts turn back upon the one burden of his wailing song men cannot be justified compared with god he is wise in heart and mighty in strength who hath resisted him and hath had peace god whose wrath no man can resist and under whom they stoop that bear up the world what am i then that i should answer him and have words with him i who although i should have any just thing would not answer but would make supplication 
to my judge the more a soul is made conscious of her nothingness apart from god the more need she feels for that fundamental justice which we call humility which subjects her to god and opens her spirit to the grace and inspiration of his holy spirit this enables her to deal justly and truthfully with god and to look hopefully and expectantly to him for her deliverance from the bondage of evil whether open or secret knowing that god is the place of the soul and that however distant he may be in consolation he is close at hand in presence and power the just man therefore feels a certain secret sense of god's presence whatever dark clouds intervene and is not altogether unconscious of the secret strength with which he is sustained it is evident through all the lamentations of job that although his conscience reprehends him not in all his life yet he yearns most earnestly for greater light of conscience that he may see whatever there is recorded against him and so may know what he has to condemn that he may not be condemned and what he has to punish that he may not be punished let a man says saint anselm go up into the judgment seat of his mind and set himself before his own eyes and when he has set up judgment in his heart let his thoughts accuse him and his conscience be the witness and let fear be the executioner then let the blood of his soul flow in tears on his confession let the image of the future judgment stand before his eyes and whatever he sees in himself that the judge to come would reprehend and punish let him at once reprehend and punish in himself for whether sins be little or great they cannot be passed over unjudged and unpunished they must be either condemned and punished by the man or be judged and avenged by god but the divine vengeance is stopped when the man is converted for if we judge ourselves we shall not be judged by which we understand that we must be punished in this life or in the life to come even in the darkest hours when the words of job sound almost like accents of despair the holy man was not unconscious of god's secret support we hear him therefore saying thou hast granted me life and mercy and thy visitation hath kept my spirit and he even says although he should kill me i will hope in him yet i will reprove my way in his sight but when the cloud opens and god draws nearer to his servant and he begins to see the divine intention for which his sufferings are permitted how sweet and touching are the words of the reviving man who will grant me that i may know and find him and come even to his throne but he knoweth my way and hath tried me as gold that passeth through fire my foot hath followed his steps i have kept his way and have not declined from it
I have not departed from the commandments of his lips, and the word of his mouth I have hid in my bosom. God hath softened my heart, and the Almighty hath troubled me. Then from the depths of that purified heart springs up the complete expression of Job's faith and trust. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and on the last day I shall rise out of the earth, and I shall be clothed again with my skin, and in my flesh I shall see my God. This my hope is laid up in my bosom. We have heard three voices from the soul of Job, the voice of wailing over his denuded, helpless, and suffering self, the voice of conscience justifying him before men, accusing him before God, and the voice of faith, to which, through all his trials, he holds with unwavering steadfastness. We have yet to hear the voice of God reinvigorating and comforting his servant, and again the voice of Job subjecting his soul to God in humiliation for his faults, and in gratitude for his justification and deliverance. The Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind, and after rebuking him for wrapping up counsel in unskillful words, he said to Job, Gird up thy loins like a man, I will ask thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if thou hast understanding. Then follows that magnificent chain of questions on the creation and providence of God. The mind of Job is humbled into conscious ignorance, and the conceit of his wisdom purified. And in a lowly spirit he replies, What can I answer who have spoken inconsiderately? I will lay my hand on my mouth. One thing I have spoken, which I wish I had not said, and another to which I will add no more. In three ways our Creator questions us. He strikes us with the rod of trial, that we may answer by exhibiting the extent of our patience and resignedness. He puts some hard command on us, that we may answer by showing the extent of our obedience. He opens certain truths to our understanding, whilst he keeps others in his divine reserves, and questions us upon them, that we may manifest the measure of our humility. Thus God questions us by afflictions, by demands upon our will, and by the exposure of our ignorance and he exacts the reply of patience, obedience, and humility. The Almighty opens out the wonders of his creation to Job. This is his interrogation. Job replies by humbling himself to the dust before the might, the majesty, and the wisdom of God. Made conscious of his ignorance, he yields his own poor conceptions of God's works, to those grand conceptions of them which God has given him. Yet he perfectly understands that these sublimer views of them 
are so far from being the full mind of god that they are only adaptations of the truth to his own limited understanding and that what is most wondrous in those works is only known to the divine intelligence whence then cometh wisdom and where is the place of understanding it is hidden from the eyes of all living god understandeth the way of it and he knoweth the place of it after job had heard all the words of the lord he replied as he was commanded to the divine interrogation i know that thou canst do all things and no thought is hidden from thee who is this that hideth counsel without knowledge therefore i have spoken unwisely and things that above measure exceeded knowledge hear and i will speak i will ask thee and do thou tell me with the hearing of the ear i have heard thee but now my eye seeth thee therefore i reprehend myself and do penance in dust and ashes as sight gives us a far more perfect knowledge than hearing so does the purified spirit of job give him an incalculably greater knowledge of god and himself than the knowledge he had before his same spirit was purified by suffering and self-searching what was before to him but as the voice of god whispering from a distance is now as a vision of god i have heard thee but now my soul seeth thee the darkness that makes the soul sensible how god is her light and comfort has departed the desolation that taught him his nothingness before god is gone a serene humility has taken the place of that scouring affliction and rising up from his sufferings the holy man is filled with light and refreshed with the sweetness of the holy spirit his conscience has borne witness to the rectitude of his intentions but now he sees so much more clearly what god is and what he is in himself that the holy chief with awe and reverence falls prostrate before god and confessing his weakness with profound humility exclaims i condemn myself and do penance in dust and ashes on this conclusion st gregory remarks the less a man sees of himself the less he is displeased with himself the more light and grace he obtains the more he knows that he is reprehensible when raised up in his inward powers he sees a law of life above him and he strives to come up to its level but soon he finds that his weakness holds him back and that in many things he falls away from that law of life for he feels a heavy burden upon him that keeps him down from the perfection of the law after trials had scoured and searched his nature through the blessed job was brought very near to the law of life its light shone fully upon him and this caused him to turn with keen rebuke upon himself and to say i condemn myself 
but self-condemnation calls for penance and punishment which caused him to add i do penance in dust and ashes whoever stands before god with true knowledge of himself knows that he is but dust and ashes abraham had this true knowledge of himself and prostrate before god he also said i will adore the lord who am but dust and ashes dust and ashes humble the body with punishment after it has caused the soul to sin rude discomforts to the flesh express the compunction of remorse in the soul dust and ashes remind us that as god has made us from the dust we ought not to take to ourselves the glory of his gifts and remind us also that through god's sentence on our sin our body shall return to dust and ashes then god made the blessed job the intercessor for his friends and said go to my servant job and offer for yourselves a holocaust and my servant job shall pray for you his face will i accept that folly be not imputed to you for you have not spoken right things before me as my servant job hath so eliphaz the themanite and baldad the shuite and so far the namathite went and did as the lord had spoken to them and the lord accepted the face of job the lord also was turned at the penance of job when he prayed for his friends and the lord gave job twice as much as he had before we cannot better conclude than with the words with which origen brings his comment to a close blessed are they who imitate thee o most blessed job blessed are they who follow thy steps blessed are they who like thee are consummated in faith and piety by enduring whatever befalls them they will rest eternally with god the father to whom be glory for ever amen end of lecture six part three